Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! People of all shapes, sizes, creeds, colors, and conditions, you are welcome here because that's what entrepreneurship is like. Entrepreneur is this dirty word, I feel like. It's French, first of all, right? It has that French vibe, you know? And I'm, I don't know, are you a Freedom freedom Fries kind of person, Corbett Bar? I could picture you as a Freedom Fries kind of person. But Entrepreneur has this French, weird, who knows what it means vibe. What we talk about here is not just entrepreneurship. We're talking about creating businesses to live life on our own terms. And the truth is, most of our business ideas, most of our creative endeavors, most of the time, they fizzle out. That's why we call this the Fizzle Show. That's why this is business is called Fizzle. Because what happens when you start fizzling out? Are you going to buckle up and figure out how to make this dream a reality? Or are you going to just kind of like, I don't know, maybe it wasn't that good of an idea in the first place. It's a difficult question. It's one that all of us face, and some of us make a career out of it and create our own businesses. So every Tuesday, we publish another show about earning a living, doing something that you care about, and this is no exception. We have a great show for you today on the show. uh, Today, I have myself, Chase Reeves, Corbett Barr. Say hi, Corbett. Hey, guys. And Steph Crowder. Say hi, Steph. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? Corbett, how you doing today? Uh, pretty good. Aside from this weird smoke thing we got going on in Portland from the forest fires, it's crazy. There's it's like, nuts. There's like a quarter inch of ash piled up on our front stoop. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Portland is very apocalyptic right now, Steph. I don't know if oh. you know that. You can barely like see it. the sun. It's like orange out there. Super orange. Yep, super orange. And Steph, how are you? Doing pretty great. It's uh, starting to cool down here in Chicago. This is about that time of year where I'm going to start talking about pumpkin things, and Corbett's really going to hate that, mm. but I'm going to do it anyway. So <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> stuff. Right. It's way too early. Nope. <laughs> nope. It's she September goes, nope. 5th, baby. Nope. Pumpkin IPA is coming out next week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's great. Okay, cool. Well, I promised you that today, you guys, we have a good podcast episode. We got a great topic to talk about today. Are you ready for it? Here's here's my Here's my... Here's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about the hurdle between free and paid. Are you guys ready? Can I give you a little still spiel? Stick? Yeah, I don't know if I want to go stick or spill. I'm going to give you a still a on spick. this, okay? I'm going to go out to the still. I'm going to go. I'm going to light the candle out of the still, and here we go. All right. So, as an indie entrepreneur, right, if you, if you want to make sales, I'm not going to do it in that voice. If you want to make sales and build a thriving business, Okay, a lot of us, we're indie entrepreneurs, we're doing it ourselves, we're DIY, we have to make sales of something, right? A lot of us are freelancers, so a lot of us are selling digital courses or training online, some of us are doing uh, like like physical made products, like uh, like I'm not <laughs> like dog beds, I won't, I won't name your business out again, Evan, because you get it all the time, <laughs> but as an indie entrepreneur, we, we want to make sales and build a thriving business, and if we're going to do that, we have to overcome this hurdle between free and paid. Okay. First of all, Corbett, tell me what, what is this hurt? Like, what do you mean hurdle between free and paid? 
So when we say free, what we mean is a lot of us who are building a business online give things away for free. Like right now, we're giving away this podcast episode. You can download it for free. And yet we spend a lot of time and effort creating it so that it's really good and people like it. Likewise, you might create a free email offer like we instructed people to do in our email challenge that we ran recently, where if someone uh, opts in, gives you their email address, in exchange, you give them something for free. That thing might be fairly in-depth. It might end up being a full mini course or something that you give people. So that's kind of the first step in seeing if people like what you have to offer, seeing if they have a problem that you can help with, that you can solve through a free online course or a PDF download or or something like that. That's one step, and that's an important step, and a lot of us go through that. But getting from that to where now someone is not just giving you their email address to get something for free, but now they're paying you something, five, 10, 50, a hundred, a thousand dollars, who knows what they're paying you for a service or some sort of product that you create. There's a huge hurdle between those two things. And a lot of people get stuck along the way there. We hear from members all the time that they get stuck for one reason or another. And I think, Chase, you're going to share several of those reasons. But today we want to talk about how to get over that hurdle going from offering things for free to getting paid for something. I love that. I love that. Now, okay, so what I want to do is to, in this show, if you listen to us, what I want you to have is a proven sort of, uh, I want, I basically, here's the thing. If you've got a free audience of some kind and you've, you know, this struggle between free and paid, trying to get over that hurdle, then I think if you listen to this, this is our promise to you. You'll be able to begin selling something to your audience and your launch won't be like a complete failure or, you know, launching to crickets or something like that. Because the truth is, this is just a hurdle, right? You know what a hurdle is, right? It's those things that people just leap over in the track and field stuff. This isn't something that has to like stop you dead in your tracks, right? But I I do want to say that this hurdle really is real. It is like there is this gap between free and paid a moment in business that that happens very often and that some people really get hung up on. OK, so like, for instance, Eric, a Fizzle member who uh, he helps people. It's really cool. He, he helps people overcome breakups. He's like a breakup coach. Um he made this super effective free three-week course, which a ton of folks signed up for, right? So he's building his audience, he's doing this thing, he makes this free three-week course to help you like, you know, get over your your bad breakup. Um, and a bunch of people sign up for it. Good, good turnout for him, right? And not only that, but the feedback he received from it was excellent. People were seriously, seriously getting helped by this. And a lot of situations their lives were changed. Right? This is something he was writing in the Fizzle forums. So he felt like it was the right time to offer his coaching service to his audience, right? We've got this freebie going out. It's a, it's a course that people are having a lot of results from. A lot of people are signing up for it. This is going really well. It's time for me to launch my coaching service. So he puts up his page. He sends an email out to everybody and crickets, right? Nothing. Nobody responds, like not even an inquiry of any kind. Right now, and this this is this is that that hurdle right there between free and paid. Like, oh no! Like, what does this mean? Does this mean like 
this is the wrong audience? Does this mean this is the wrong product? This could mean a number of different things. The truth is th- this hurdle also happened to our fearless leader, our fearless leader, Corbett Barr. Uh, Corbett, like a long time ago when you started blogging, you started offering consulting on your website for the first time or you started just offering consulting and it didn't go well for you at first. Can you tell about that a little bit? Yeah. So this is uh, when I was running a site called Think Traffic, which was all about how to grow an audience online. The first thing that I did to earn an income from that site was offer consulting services. And this is usually an easy way to get started, right? Because you don't have to create a product. You just advertise your services. People sign up for it and you can start delivering it right away. There's not a long development period where you're building a product. You just get to offer it right away and hopefully get revenue in the door right away. But Mm -hmm. in my case, and in the case of a lot of people who offer services, uh, I put up a page and said, you know, I would love to help you uh, grow your audience. Here's how you can hire me. And when I did that, I got a couple of inquiries and no sales. Mm. And it it makes you like take a step back and like you said, really wonder like, what's the issue here? Is this a problem with how I'm selling this? Is this a problem with the audience that I'm reaching? There's a whole lot of things that go through your head. You know, maybe I'm not cut out for this. And in my case, what I was able to do was dramatically restructure the way I was talking about the service that I was offering following uh, a guide called Book Yourself Solid, which we actually have a course for inside of Fizzle. If you guys are a Fizzle member or not, either way, you can join Fizzle and take this Book Yourself Solid course for free. And when I applied what I learned from Book Yourself Solid at the time, this was like six years ago, from Michael Port, who uh, created the program, I actually went from no sales to pretty much booked solid. In a span of about three months, I was having to turn clients down and I was able to raise my rates because of what I applied there. Mm, Love it. Love it. Corbett Barr got hung up on the hurdle between free and and paid, right? It's a real thing. And then he got over it. He found a way to actually make those sales again. And pretty soon, in short order, he was booked solid, right? So there's things that you can learn that can help you make this hurdle easier. And that's what I want to talk about, what we all want to talk about today. So the first thing I want to, uh, to well, I mean, I guess just to summarize really quickly, just to say again, this hur- there is a real hurdle. It doesn't have to stop you dead in your tracks. All right. A lot of us think that the sales are just going to flow in too. By the way, this is something that happens, right? This is probably where Eric was in the in the Fizzle forums when he was like, "It was a perfect time. Like, I, it's perfect. Like, people are loving the things I'm doing. It's ready to go. Let's go. Let's launch the thing." And then you launch it, and it just literally—it's like you hit a brick wall. All that momentum just stops. Right? It's kind of crazy. So a lot of us think that the sales are just going to flow in, and sometimes they do not. When the product doesn't match, when you don't get the right message for the thing, for a lot of different reasons, it's not a good fit, right, when you launch your first thing switching to to paid from free. So we don't need to let this stop us dead in our tracks. So the first thing I want to talk about is this. Let's just talk about the switch for a little, a little bit. Like when to make the switch. Corbett, you already talked about uh, how... We kind of like the idea of doing having some free stuff up front. Tell a little bit more about why that step is kind of an important one. And then, Steph, I got a couple questions for you. So what I love about offering something for free up front is 
it helps you hone your hypothesis. We talk a lot of times about business being a, uh, thinking about business as a scientist and thinking about your business idea as a hypothesis. It's not as if you are the genius who goes away in a lab and comes out with an idea and, you know, reveals it to the world and the, the world says, oh my God, you're so smart. Thank you for solving my problem. Instead, you're a scientist who believes that there's a group of people out there who have some sort of problem that you can solve in a way that they are willing to pay money for. And by offering a free product in the beginning, what you're doing is testing the first part of that hypothesis in a very low risk way. You're saying, I believe there's a group of people out there who have a problem that I can solve and not necessarily in a way that they will be willing to pay for. But if you can't get someone to sign up for something for free, then you might have a much more difficult time getting people to sign up for something that they have to pay for. So that's why we really like this in the beginning, offering something for free as a way to prove the first part of the hypothesis and to see whether or not you can actually get people to sign up for it because creating something for free doesn't have to take that long. In the email challenge that I mentioned, if you go to fizzle.co slash email, you can see this email challenge that we created. It's a seven day grow your list challenge. In that challenge, we guide people through creating something that is a really compelling freebie offer that you can put on your website to get people to sign up for your email list. And that doesn't have to take more than a week. That's why we, we put the whole challenge within a week. So instead of spending many, many months creating something that you want people to pay for, you create something in a very short period of time that you offer for free and see how people react to it. Then it gives you a built-in pool of people that you can reach out to later when you decide to build something that they will pay for. Yeah, I love this. Now, I will, I do want to say, I do have to, like, because there are some offers, Corbett, I think, where I, I once you start paying for them, you start to see more interest in them, or start charging for them, rather. Um, there are certain, like, you know, free consultations I can picture, sort of, why isn't anybody taking my free consultation and then you you chart you start you put a you put like a hey an introductory $75 consultation and you'll get this you'll walk away with your sort of brand assets or something like that um the, that kind of thing sometimes i've found that charging money can make a set, can like make people more willing to sign up for it but i think that's a different kind of offer than i would use to test a a business idea so i i 100 agree with what corbett's saying here about free is a great first step to test the hypothesis of your business because if you can't get someone to sign up for your free thing you might have a harder problem or a bigger problem at play than just trying to get them to sign up. It might be like, we need to fix something about our idea. We need to fix something about our call to action or our value proposition in general. Now, switching gears for a second. Um, I think a lot of people don't want to start charging for things. Again, we're talking about the switch. Like when should you make the switch? And one of the things that I've noticed, I don't know if you guys have seen this, is that entrepreneurs oftentimes don't, uh, they wait long. They, they wait too long to start charging for things. 
few of us have this like real internal drive. It's like, no, it's got to make money. It's got to make money. It's got to make money when we're working on our side project thing, unless it's like, uh, my job just fired me <laughs> and I don't want to get another job and I'm going to, I want to do this, this thing that I'm doing over here. Um, then it's like, okay, we have to make this make money. But I find that a lot of entrepreneurs are, uh, at least modern sort of indie entrepreneurs can tend to go too long before they, before they charge money for things. And so one of the things that I find, one of the reasons I find that they don't, they don't do this is because it's like, well, it's not perfect yet. It's not perfect yet. So Steph, I want to add like for you, like, I bet you can resonate with the entrepreneur out there who's like, I want to start charging money for my thing, but uh, it's just not the right time yet, or it's not, things aren't perfect yet. What would you say to someone who's thinking like that? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think it's act- that's actually like a doubly, it's like a compounding problem because at the same time that you might be sitting on the sideline being afraid that your thing isn't perfect and you're afraid you're not ready to charge for it, I also hear a lot from people that they're afraid to give away the farm or give away too much with their free stuff. So then what you end up having is you're not charging for anything because you're afraid that your thing's not perfect and you're not growing, you're not creating because you're worried about giving away all the goods. So then you're Mm. actually just doing a whole lot of nothing. So that's really bad. You're not growing with free stuff and you're not charging. So you're basically just kind of dreaming. You really have like an aspiration. You don't have a business at all. And I think that's the worst problem to have. So I think behind the right behind the question that we're asking in this episode which is when do i make the jump from free to paid we oh, another very popular question is how do i know how much to give away in my free stuff like there's this very not only is it a hurdle as you said chase it's a very blurry line for people they're like worried that if they build that trust it, with the free stuff which we are obviously huge advocates of they're worried that they won't have anything left over to charge for so i see this happening all the time i felt it myself where you're worried that your free stuff is going to to undermine what you're going to charge for. So that's a really important thing to think about too. And I think all of us would agree, we've talked about it before, that honestly, and it's really what we do, I think it's the fizzle way is is to be helpful, is to serve. Because the more you build that know, like, and trust, it is true. I used to hear people say on podcasts or whatever that if you're helpful enough, people will start emailing you and saying like, hey, what can I do to help you? I feel you've given so much to me. I used to hear that from people out there that I listen to probably you guys at some point. And I always used to think that was cool, but I never quite believed that. And for me, that's actually been happening. That is like, I'm not offering any kind of paid product for the Courage and Clarity podcast, Mm. but I am getting emails from people who are like, you have helped me so much. What can I do for you? So for people out there who are like, when do I start charging? I think that there's some real, there's some absolutely some value in getting yourself to that point where you feel you've helped enough people. This, I guess this might tie directly to the podcast that we just launched last week, all about being helpful and how to serve people with the expertise that you already have. I think there are ways to build your own confidence, build your own street cred, if you will, by helping people for free. And then it's kind of like a more, it's still a hurdle, absolutely, to start saying, hey, I'm charging for this now. But you have a little bit more of a springboard when you've, it's a goes back to what Corbett was saying about the experimentation piece, the hypothesis, when you've kind of like validated that a little bit, then I think there's a lot more, it takes away that need for perfection. If you're like, man, I'm already helping people and people are asking me how they can work with me. I'm onto something here. And that I think is a really good, 
a really good indication that you're on the right track if you have that resistance towards charging. So I would say to people, if you have a resistance, I think it's okay. I don't think you need, you have to take a hard look at your situation and say, am I resisting this because I'm nervous or am I resisting this because I am not there? Like that's a real thing. You know, if you haven't built any kind of audience, if you haven't built any kind of validation, and if you have no idea if you're on the right track, I don't think charging is the way to go. I think you do want to build that know, like, and trust, start to grow an audience and start to see what comes back from the people that you're trying to serve. Mm, I love that. I love that. And this gets us into what I want to say on the, on the, or what I want to get into on the next step. But just quick recap here. We're talking about... Um, this reason for starting with free and then switching. When do you make that switch? When do you make that switch? When's the right time for it? When's the right time to make the switch from free stuff to start charging and, and to paid? And uh, I've, w- some people get hung up on on things aren't perfect yet, or I don't know enough, or I, I don't have built enough uh, know, like, and trust with my audience and stuff like that. And steps points there are killer. And it takes me to this idea of, there's all these fears that are around this hurdle too. Moving from fear free to pay, there's all of these fears. Like Corbett, one of the things that you and I talked about is like we people are often afraid that their customers are going to get angry when they when when the entrepreneur starts charging money for their thing. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a common uh, concern that people have when they're thinking about charging for something and. Uh, sometimes it comes up at the beginning. Other times it kind of rears its head when you're getting closer to finishing your product, but it's kind of natural to feel like, well, I've been blogging all this time or I've been podcasting all this time and everything that I do, I give away for free. Isn't my audience going to be pissed off when I start charging for something? And I, I don't know where this comes from. It's kind of human nature. And I think if you ask yourself, if you were in the reverse situation, if you had followed someone who podcasted or whatever, and they decided to release some sort of course or something that they charge for, would you be pissed off at them? The answer is almost always no. And when you start charging for something, I have, I think only heard of one or two cases where somebody got like a curmudgeonly email from someone who is like, yeah, well, I guess you've sold out or whatever. Uh, but it, it almost never happens and it's just, for me, not something that's worth worrying about because, uh, you know, you might hear from someone, but you're going to have to grow thick skin if you're going to sell something online anyway, because uh, it's just part of the nature of things. And if your goal really is to build a business out of this thing, then you're going to have to find something that people are willing to pay for. And, and one or two upset customers isn't worth delaying or holding back entirely from building a business. Yeah, I love that. It's like, it, it, it's like experience really does show like, like the customers are almost never angry. And if you have this thought, like, then, then it's a, it's a good thought. Like, make sure that there's a good story about why you're charging for this. Because like what I've done in my bag reviews recently, for example, is I've got these affiliate links now that, that a lot of these bag companies have affiliate links that I can, I can get a few bucks back for every bag that, that I sell through that link. 
Um, if you don't know, I make a lot of bag videos on YouTube, and the channel's just called Chase Reeves, and it's, it's just me, like, literally geeking out about bags. And what I've started doing is I've started asking people explicitly to purchase using my affiliate links, but I gave them a story there, because it's Friday night, and this has happened on one of the videos recently, I'm like, it's literally Friday night right now, and I'm hearing my wife clink the dishes downstairs as she cleans them, and my baby's a little bit sort of whinging in the background, but my wife was like, no, no, go do a bag video <laughs> because there's a chance it makes us a few hundred bucks, right? And, I, and because now that's the case. And so I could say that. I'm like, listen, my wife is literally letting me do this right now. It's my favorite thing in the world to do, to make a bag video. And all of you people love watching it. If you watch this video and you like, the, just use my link because it gives me a few extra bucks. I really appreciate that. Because what I've just done there is I gave them, I, 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 I shined a spotlight on that thing. Right, I made all my bag videos for free, and I never, I never charged uh, money for it, right, or, or or encouraged them to use my links to purchase anything. And now I am. That could be really sleazy behavior, but because of the way I talk about it, I am completely confident in it. And if anybody has a problem with that, I'm like, D- go away. Like, just go. <laughs> just be gone. <laughs> Poof. Huzzah. I don't know. Because I feel really comfortable with that. Because you know what I know? I know that I deserve to be compensated for the good work that I have done. That's what I know. And I think that's one of the th- places that that entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, all of us who are getting into this, we there's, a, there's definitely a weird thing. And it took me personally a long time to get this. To understand this, this sense that that I deserve to get paid, I deserve to get compensated in uh, in proportion to the amount of value that I give to somebody, right? And so this is where another fear comes up in this hurdle. But you know, going over this hurdle from free to paid is imposter syndrome. It's imposter syndrome where I get afraid that when I launch a thing or put something out there where I charge money for a thing, that the people are going to uncover some flaw that makes them see me as a fraud, right? This is something a lot of us feel. A lot of us feel this, like, oh my God, I'm putting this out there and I'm teaching this thing and I only kind of barely know about it. I just know more than like most people, but like I haven't done it successfully for the last 25 years or anything like that. But I can, I still have this audience. They want these kinds of things from me and now making a course. And I'm like, aren't they going to feel like I'm not, I'm not qualified enough? Aren't they going to feel like I'm, or isn't somebody going to call me out as being an imposter? Right. And the truth is, it is very normal to have some fear of sales like this, to have some fear of, of imposter syndrome or, or that, that customers are going to get angry or something like that. But you really do need to get this through your head and through your heart that you deserve to be compensated. You deserve to be compensated for good, valuable, helpful work that you do for others. And until you get that, until you sort of sense that, it's, it's, if you don't sense that right now, if sometimes maybe my words are a reminder to you, maybe my words are like a breath of fresh air. Maybe though, you're like, mm, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't know that yet. Just know that you don't know that yet. And go back to what Steph was saying about building more of that know, like, and trust with your audience. Because as you build that, as you start to see that you can actually be helpful to people, that they actually are getting 
dramatically helped by the work that you're doing for them. That's what really started convincing me. Seeing the changes and the effects in people's lives over time that I was, I was having a role in. That's what like made me go like, dude, what I'm doing is valuable. It's valuable. It's valuable. Now, speaking of value, I want to switch to the next thing. Okay. So we've talked about some fears. We talked about when the right time to switch is. Now we're going to talk about this value ladder thing. Cause Steph, you mentioned this earlier. I call this a value ladder. All right. Because I just made that up, and it sounds like something that you that you hear somewhere. It's just, hey, have you uh, have you put in your value ladder? I like it. <laughs> so, but it's this sense that uh, your freebie or what you give away for free can undermine what you hope to charge for. So, Steph, it sounds like you had a little bit of experience with that, or you thought a little bit about that. Tell me more about this. I don't know. To you, what it means when you're what you're giving away for free is sort of undermining what you're trying to charge for. Well, I think I think it's just a fear that we have. I think we're worried that all like if I think sometimes we look at our own expertise or the own ideas that we have in our brain and we believe there's a finite number of stuff that we have to offer. So the natural fear is that by giving that stuff away, by trying to help people, you're worried that you're not going to have anything left over to charge for. Or maybe even worse, you're worried that what you're giving away for free is going to be better than what you charge for. So I think Mm. you were talking about the imposter syndrome. I think that's where some of that imposter syndrome comes from. It's like, well, they like what I'm doing over here with the free stuff, but if they pay me money, then, oh my God, the bar is going up that much higher. And that's that'll set off the alarm bells in your head every single time because you're like, Like, how can I possibly deliver better than what I'm giving away for free? Because I truly believe if you're doing the giving stuff away for free thing, if you're doing it right, you should feel like you're going all in. I don't think you should be like, like holding back during the, you know, if you're creating a podcast or if you're blogging, like you don't want to make it like kind of like a grade B minus just so that your paid stuff is an A. That's, that's not the point. And that's not going to make people fall in love with you and choose to be the only person um, that they that they want to follow. So yeah. I think it's, instead of trying to see it as like the bar keeps raising and if you charge, the bar has to raise again, I've started to see it as, no, like if somebody decides that they want to come into Fizzle to hear more from me or to get more coaching from the three of us, I don't have to be a better version of who I am on this podcast or Courage and Clarity or anywhere else that I show up on the internet. Mm. Instead, I just have to continue to be exactly who I am and be as helpful as I can. And also own the fact that I don't necessarily always have all the answers for everybody. Just like you were talking about with your with the bag story, which I think is perfect. Is I have found that anytime you can, if you're nervous about something, about especially imposter syndrome, you're nervous that people are going to find out that you're making money off of the bag video or you're nervous that people are going to find out you don't know everything. I have found an easy trick for that is just own it. Exactly like you did. Yeah. Just be upfront about it and say, you know what? I actually don't know everything. I'm going to do my best and always go above and beyond to help you and ask the right questions and help you get unstuck in your business or whatever you know service I'm offering to people. But I'm always the first to admit that I don't know everything. And yeah. that has been a key in like giving myself that grace to just be who I am. And and people really pick up on that because nobody's perfect. So if you're dealing with that imposter syndrome, if you're worried that people are going to pay for your services and find out that you're not perfect, great. Just own that because that's going to be the case for everybody. And believe it or not, it's going to endear you to them more. I have found. Mm. No, I love that. That's great. So the sense that, that, uh, that our, our, (laughs) 
you know how I see it is like our freebie stuff really has to work in harmony with our uh, our four four fee stuff, right? Um, I do see like an Eric situation. One of the one of the places that the forum thread went with Eric, wh- the the story I was reading earlier, um, is I was like, there's some there's some sort of disconnect between what you gave away for free and now what you're charging for, and this product itself doesn't feel like the right kind of fit. Right. Mm-hmm. And this can happen, you guys. This can really happen a lot. That's why we want to spend a little time engineering what's the free thing. And the free thing has to work. Right. And then what's the what's the paid thing? And the paid thing and the free thing have to work in harmony with each other. Right. The best thing that you could think about it this way, like how hungry are your potential customers for the solution that you're offering? Right. So your potential customers, like how hungry are they? for your solution and are they so hungry that that then they're like okay well let's check out this freebie because that that satiates some of my pain but then the best can a best case scenario is it's like the thing that you're trying to help them with or things that you can actually solve the problem for them the rather me say that again the solution to the problem is actually much bigger than they can get in one little pdf guide or something like that even though that pdf guide feels valuable and that lets them know that you're trustworthy enough that you're the person to help them go the rest of the way to solve this problem, right? So how hungry are your potential customers for the solution? And, uh, and does your freebie sort of like satiate them? Are you sort of, are you sort of giving the cow away in your freebie and so now nobody's going to pay for the milk? Right. Corbett, anything else to add on this idea of like this value ladder? By the way, I call it the value ladder because it makes sense that you like you go up one rung on the value. Cool. This is from neutral to up one rung, and that's our freebie. And then you have one step beyond that, and it's clear I'm like even more hungry for that. That would even satisfy me even more. And that's where we start paying for things. Anything to add on that, Corbett? Just just that I think uh it's it's common if you look around at the things that you buy. Oftentimes you have some sort of experience with that product or with the company behind that product before you try it. Maybe there's a free trial. Uh, Maybe they had some sort of a giveaway that you downloaded. Maybe a friend had it and you tried it out that way. So I I think it's just kind of a natural thing to, um, to demonstrate value to someone before you necessarily expect them to become a full on customer. Yeah. I love that. Okay, the last step here before we get into, I want to talk through this, like we've identified five steps in this process of going from free to paid, okay? And the last step I I wanted to talk, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we get into that is we need to talk about effective copywriting. We just need to talk about effective copywriting because when you're next to somebody or you're in person with somebody and you can tell them about the thing that you can do for them, right? So maybe you're uh, maybe you're a doula or something, or, or or a midwife of some kind or something, and you can really really help this lady during her labor, right? And she's having a meeting with you because she wants to to see what you're like. When you're in that meeting over a cup of tea, because doulas invariably like always are just drinking tea. Doulas are the most tea drinkingest people I've ever met in my life, mm-hmm. and I've I have lots of doulas in my life now. <laughs> but um, but like as that doula is sitting across the table from the potential customer, like 
you can communicate so much. You can ask questions. You can get a feed feel for like, are they hearing this? Are they not? Are they understanding what I'm saying? What should I say next based on their sort of energy or their body language and vibe, right? You can do all that and you do it so naturally. But when you put an offer up on the web, everything's different. (laughs) You don't get any of that feedback. You have to actually be kind of good at making the person feel like you're sitting right there across a cup of tea from them, but you're really, it's just a web page. It's literally just, it's ones and zeros and letters on a page and things like that. So we just need to talk about, you need to get more effective at copywriting. We all do have to get to a point where our copywriting is effective, right? This doesn't mean though being, I don't know, Corbett, I want you to talk about this. This doesn't mean being like, I don't you you said before that you've you've seen people when they when they start writing a sales page it just gets really like they get really intense and it's kind of scared. What do you mean by that? I think all of the uh, a lot of what we're talking about here comes down to hangups that people have about money and about mm. what they their self worth and about what they feel they deserve and so on. There's a lot of weird deep seated emotions and things that you might have to overcome the first tr- time that you try to sell something that you've created to other people. There's just a lot there to unpack. And so a lot of this comes out, it's visible when you first sit down and try to write your sales page. The sales page that you write might be addressing all of those things that you're worried people are going to think about you, not just about whether or not this is a good product and whether or not it solves someone's problem. So there's a whole lot of extra stuff that you might end up adding to the sales page. You might also just add a bunch of background information, things that you know about this problem. And you're really overselling the thing in a way that will make people suspicious or maybe just, you know, prevent them from reading the important things that might convince them to buy this. So copywriting, the definition of copywriting is about writing words that lead someone to take action on something. And a lot of times when someone is writing their first sales page ever, they aren't really copywriting. They're just brain dumping and maybe trying to create this protective emotional layer throughout what they're creating, but not necessarily taking pure copywriting steps, which is again, the the art of creating words that lead people to take action on something. Yeah. Absolutely. And so here's what, here's what we have for you. We have this 80-20 copywriting uh, sketch sheet. All right. It's a sketch sheet. I don't know if you've ever seen before. We're the kind of people who make like, like we have a business plan that fits on one page. It's called the business sketch template. It's inside of Fizzle. Right. This is what we we do all of this work inside of Fizzle in the first stage of the roadmap, right? First phase of the roadmap where we're working on your business idea, who it's for, what the problem we're solving, what channels are we going to use? Are we going to blog or podcast? Are we going to do affiliate or ad revenue? What are we what are we going to be doing here? And then it all comes together on one piece of paper. It's called the business sketch template. And we do that because then you can sketch out a few different business ideas in a matter of minutes, right? Well, we've done a similar thing with copywriting. In copywriting, there's all of these questions I want you to think about that help you get out of that bull crap in your mind. Like, should I be asking for this? Do I like, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know. I don't know if it's good enough. Oh, they're going to find out I'm an imposter. All that stuff Corbett was talking about that most of us end up just like 
just shoving into our sales page because we we don't know how to actually just write the stuff that will be important to someone who's thinking about purchasing, right? This sketch sheet helps you figure out how to get into that mindset, how to get into that mindset where I'm just going to write the stuff that's actually valuable to the people who are reading my damn website. Does that, how about, how about that for a change? And this is something that I use to this day. Still, I write, I like when I, for just about every podcast, every blog post for this one here, I've done that. I wrote in my sketch sheet to figure out, okay, so what, how do I get into the mindset and into the sort of the, the, how do I empathize? with my with my target customer here you guys listening and so i use this all the time to do that it's a free sketch sheet that we've put together i'll have a link to it or an ability to download for for you in the show notes for this episode fizzleshow.co slash 232 it's really important you guys because people naturally think they are bad at copywriting And naturally, you kind of are, not because you don't know how to write, just because you don't know how to do this simple exercise of slipping into the skin of your potential customer, of getting into the mindset, of getting into empathy with your potential customer. Once you do that, it's like immediate. What you know, you'll know what you need to write. You'll know how to overcome their objections. You don't have to be Hemingway. You know, you just don't. Because the truth is, when you write from your own voice, it can be really, really effective. More effective than than anything else for you. So it's important to use some kind of a tool like this to get you out of your, uh, your own psychological messiness and into... A, a like a posture of hey let me help you answer this question hey let me help you understand if this is right for you or not really really important that's the 80 20 sketch sheet we call it the 80 20 sketch sheet because you get 80 percent of the results from this tiny little bit of work from this little 20 percent of the work and if you could just do this for every blog every podcast every sales page every you know every course every everything it's going to help you get your story straight so you can actually convince and convert people on the other side so now i want to talk about the five these five steps that i've identified and and we can just kind of hash these out you guys i put them in your little skype uh chat there so we can go over them but uh these are just the five steps for moving towards a paid offering for going from free to paid if we had to lay this out in some sort of a process for you we would do it like this okay so i'll go with the first one here the first one is i want you to spend enough time with your freebie that you are confident in its ability to convert people okay it's attracting people and it's delivering value if you haven't yet taken our seven-day email challenge, like Corbett says, um, that is so, so powerful for this. Because like Corbett said, it, it just gets you, it just, it literally will walk you through every single step to have a freebie, a lead magnet, an opt-in incentive on your website. Bam, boom. And this is so critical for any of us in modern business because it goes, it's, it's like the first step towards paid. 
And we like this because they're char- you're charging them an email address. And, and that is real currency, real absolute currency. Like people don't just give that away for free. People don't just walk around giving their email out, right? So if they want your thing enough to give you their email address for it, then you're, you're establishing a little value. So much different than looking at traffic or, you know, shares or something like that. This is a real sort of like a person going like, hey, I want that and giving you their email address in exchange for it. So the point being here, if we spend enough time there, we can get confident in our ability to understand what our what our users really want. This is going back to that Steph's point about know, like, and trust. Do our, do, do our visitors know, like, and trust us enough to want this thing that we, and I, I think to be honest, it's really about, can I put something together that these people want? Like, can I do that? Can I put something together that these people want? So the first step in this process for me is you got to, I, I would really recommend you nail down some sort of a free lead magnet type thing that gets leads coming in just to prove to yourself that you can make something that's valuable. Cause one of the, anyways, you'll get into that in the seven, seven day email challenge. I won't get you into all of that yet, but it, there's a couple, there's two really, really critical things that your lead magnet needs to do. And, uh, we'll just leave that for the seven day email challenge. So I don't know, Steph, maybe you take this next one, this idea of interviewing people, um, who took the free thing. I yeah. to, go for it. So, okay. Like you said, so the whole point of, putting something out there, a freebie is getting, making sure you get traction. So people sign up for it. The first step, as you said, is people actually taking the bait. So that would be like your first little mini hurdle. If we're, if this whole episode is like the big hurdle of going from free to paid, I feel like there are a little, maybe mini hurdles before that. And one of them is getting people to even want your free thing. So if you get that far, that's like a, a great check mark. And that's a big deal to even make something. Cause like you said, the email address is real currency. So you get that far. Some people are starting to sign up for your thing. The next step we have here is interviewing people who got your free thing in their hands. And this is really helpful because you can glean so much insight from these people who have absorbed your free content. You can find out things like, what did they learn? What results have you helped them get? What is still confusing to them? What do they need help with even after having your freebie in their hands? And you can really just start to get a sense of where people need to go from here. So hopefully your free thing has gotten them maybe from A to B. Now the next question is, where do they need to go after that to continue to get results? What might they pay for now that their appetite has been wet a little bit by the free stuff that you got them to uh, subscribe to. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So we're, and and it doesn't have to be particularly interviews, uh, though we're really big fans of interviews. Steph has a whole course on customer conversations, how to have conversations with customers or potential customers that actually lead to insights. Like they will literally change simple things in your in your website in your story in what products you create it will change the direction that you go and you'll be like i can't believe i did not do this earlier everybody says the same thing everyone so we're really into that but you could also just look at the feedback you're getting in email you could build in some feedback loops into your freebie itself. How's this going? Send me an email anytime. You can you can follow back up with them a week or two after they downloaded it, just with a perfect personal email, right? So uh, there's a lot of ways to get feedback on what you're doing and finding out you know what what they're really getting out of this. Okay, Corbett, what about this next one? Defining what the product is. 
Yeah. So once you've created a freebie, that's going well. You've talked with people about the freebie. You understand what they like, what they don't want. Uh, and you're getting an idea of how you might be able to create a product. The next step is to define that product. And the important thing here is to have a very clear idea of the promise that you're making with this product. What result are you going to help people achieve through this product? And how are you going to do that? And the how are you going to do that part is really the essence of what this product is. It's the outline for the product. For example, if this is a course, this step is all about coming up with the outline for that course. What's going to be contained? What information will be in there? What uh, actions and workbooks are you going to guide people through? And a common beginner mistake here is in defining this too broadly, either so that there isn't a really clear result or trying to take on way too much, trying to promise that you're going to get people some massive results instead of narrowing the scope and focusing in on something because creating a product for your first time like an online course is usually much more difficult than you think it will be in your mind. Just the act of putting the thing together, filming the bits, scripting it out, prepping everything, getting it ready, delivering it can get you stuck for a long time. And this is a big part of this hurdle that we've been talking about between free and paid. A big part of that hurdle for people is often just getting stuck in the creation process. So we advise people to start really small, really clear, really focused and define something that you can get done, hopefully in just a month or something. And then if that goes well, you can expand that and build a bigger product next time. But try to get something done so that you don't get stuck in the middle here just on uh, the creating the product itself. Yeah, such these are, you guys, these are such wise words. We've literally worked with thousands, we've watched thousands of entrepreneurs New, new entrepreneurs, early stage, first time creating a product, first time charging for something, first time putting pieces of work like this together. And it's so true that entrepreneurs often get stuck in the creation process. So heed Corbett's words well about this start small, clear, and focused thing. All right, then we create the product. And to be honest, like this is this is this deserves it this <laughs> deserves more than a podcast episode itself. It deserves it's like a it, it is it is so much of what's inside of Fizzle, to be honest. Creating the product itself takes a lot of time. And you might be making a course, you might be making an ebook, you might be making a uh, a package for your freelancing offerings. You might be making actual physical products. Um, who knows what the product is that you land on? But once you've defined what it is, then then we create it. Um, and the final step here is to write the sales page and create the launch plan. All right, it's very simple on paper, right? To write the sales page and create the launch plan, but in reality, it can be really challenging to figure out how do I create? How do I convince someone? to get this thing. Lucky for you, we have that 80-20 copywriting sketch sheet because it really will help you get into empathy with your potential customers, helping you think through the objections, the results, etc., stuff like that. Because the truth is there's a risk of overthinking this thing, all right? If you were if you were able to get them to sign up for a freebie, 
this should be able to work pretty well. And so that was my promise sort of at the, at the beginning of this thing is, is, you know, if you've got an audience and you've got some freebies coming in and you're not yet charging for, uh, for something using this kind of this process, you'll be able to start charging for things without triggering that like, Oh, this guy's a douchebag. He's sold out sort of thing without, you know, sacrificing your trust and relationship with your audience right? Without falling victim to all those fears we talked about in the beginning. Um, so again, those, those steps are very simple. I want us to have a freebie that's working, right? A lead magnet that's actually working. And I want us to talk with our, with the, the people who are downloading that about what is helpful to them. We're getting feedback. Like what do they still have questions about and stuff like that, right? Because we want these two things, our product and our freebie to really work in harmony, we want our lead magnet and our product, the thing that we're charging for, to work in harmony with each other. And that's what we're going to do next. We're going to define what each of those are. Now, what I've seen happen a lot, by the way, is people make their freebie a small version of what they're eventually going to charge for. So uh, Eric and Fizzle, for example, he had this three-week uh, get over your breakup or recover from, your, from a bad breakup course, and he gave away for free. And then he tried to sell the consulting services and it, they didn't really work in harmony. There wasn't any interest. Now, I, I don't know if he, if he went on to do this, but he was planning on uh, charging actually, you know, like a 50 bucks for the, uh, for the three-week course, probably creating something simpler, something quicker to make as a freebie that's just as, as exciting and enticing. Um, so figuring out how your freebie and your product, the thing that you want to pay, charge for, work in harmony is, is definitely a big deal. And then we go on to create it and finally write the sales page. By the way, a little trick here. I don't know if you guys do this over there, but for me, the trick that I do is I basically, I do that 80-20 sketch sheet in the ver- before I do any work on anything. I don't do that at the end when I'm like writing the sales page, I do that in the very beginning because it helps me define exactly what the promise is that I'm making to my customers. Like what's, what do they walk away from this thing with that? Like Corbett was saying that small, clear and focused beginning point. Okay. So you guys, that's basically it today. I mean, if it like, I want you to make a smooth, successful transition to paid offerings. That's it. That's all we're talking about today. Corbett, Steph, anything else to add? Just uh, that if you're feeling some sort of resistance going from free to paid, there's a lot of good reasons for that. Uh, You know, things that we covered in this episode. It's a real uh, significant hurdle potentially. And hopefully by following the five steps that we offered and um, by just recognizing that those emotional things that you're feeling are legitimate. They're real. And uh, the empathy of trying to put yourself in the shoes of your customers, talking to your potential customers, those things can get you past that hurdle. Mm, Love it. Stephanie, final words? I always bring it back to one of our very most basic, important cornerstone golden rules and fizzle, which we've already talked about a little bit in this episode, 
is that everything in your business is a hypothesis. And this is a really great example of something that is totally a hypothesis, testing what it is that your people will latch onto. So I think the more we try to be playful with it, the more we try to really treat it as an experiment and not the thing that like has to work and you're a total loser if it doesn't. Instead, try to see it as like, you may have to throw a few darts at the dartboard before you get a bullseye and that's totally fine. All of us have been there and it's kind of a fun process if you let it be, I think. Yeah, I love that. Love that. Love it. All right, guys. That's it for us today. Fizzle Show, episode 232. I want you to get that 80-20 sketch sheet. You can find it at fizzleshow.co slash 232. That's fizzleshow.co slash 232. Here's an iTunes review from Tim at AG Grad who says, I love this show. I started listening for Corbett's insight. I stuck around for Chase's humor, but recently, Steph has become my favorite. Seriously, Aww. awesome show that should be regular listening for anyone who wants to build a lifestyle business. Awesome, Tim. Thank you, Tim. That's so thoughtful and wonderful. You, ne- you mentioned all of us. This is great. This is great. Listen, li- listener, uh, if you haven't yet, leave us an iTunes review. We'd love to read it out on the air. I'd love to hear what you think of the show. Maybe tell us what your favorite inside joke is or something like that. Really appreciate Tim and all the others who have left us reviews because they help us to get into the ear holes of other entrepreneurs who are putting their butts on the line to build something that they care about. All right? Listen, y'all. Overcome that hurdle. Overcome that hurdle to, to, from free to paid. I hope this episode has helped. If you dug it, maybe give it a share with somebody that you care for who's working on something similar. May you have a roof for the rain and walls for the wind. May you find something solid to put your foot on as you take the next step. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, y'all. And we'll talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show.